So I want to begin with a little bit of a Bible study to sort of set a foundation for something. So we're going to look at the first reading and the gospel specifically to set the foundation for what can sort of help us to launch, I think, better in a, into like a meditation into the gospel passage itself, to look at a couple of things from a couple of different angles in our gospel passage and then finish with a prayer. So first, the, the little Bible study. So we know that the prophets, of course, are in the Old Testament of the Bible, that is the first maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the Bible. And we know that um, they, they're sent by God, and so they deliver the Word of God. Isaiah was a prophet in the seventh century BC, so we're talking about 700 years before Jesus. Eighth and seventh century is when he lived, so about 700 years before Jesus. So whenever the prophets spoke, they, they oftentimes were, were, were sent by God to deliver a message, and the message was that the people needed to turn away from their sinful ways and turn back toward the ways of God. This is the, the primary purpose, we could say, of the prophets. In other words, we could say that their purpose was to remind the people of God that God exists and that he hasn't forgotten about his people in the same way that maybe God's people have forgotten about God, right? This is, this is a pattern throughout the Old Testament is that, that God's people, they begin well, right? They begin, they receive a command from God, and so they begin to follow him and to follow his ways. But after a while, they sort of forget about him or they get distracted by, by the things around them, by, by the desires of the flesh or by looking around at the other nations and wanting to be just like everyone else rather than accepting their identity as a people truly set apart for God. And so they turn away from God's ways and turn toward the ways of other people around them. And so the prophets are sent to deliver a message like, no, turn, stop, stop and turn back toward the Lord because he cares for you. He, he wants your good in mind. And if you continue on your way, it's not going to go well for you. But it's just like, just like with a little kid, right? When a little kid reaches for that hot burner on the stovetop, right? Because it's so attractive and orange and like, oh, I got to touch that, right? No, you say, no, stop. Don't, don't do that. You're going to burn yourself. Right? This is what the prophet's message ultimately is. Like, if you keep going this direction, if you touch the stovetop, you're going to burn yourself, and it's going to hurt really bad. For the prophets, for, for, for God, the message is always, it's not just like that it's going to hurt for a little while, but that it's going to hurt forever if you continue to go down this path. So stop and take your hand back and don't touch the stovetop. This is what the prophets deliver. Sometimes the prophets, in their message, they, they deliver almost a way so that the people can know that, that God truly is with them. And this is what Isaiah does in, in our, our uh, first reading today. So here again, the first part of our reading that, that was proclaimed. Thus says the Lord, Say to those whose hearts are frightened, Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Right, so can, can you hear what the Lord is saying? The Lord is saying, I'm going to come myself. Right, God is, is saying, I'm not just going to send a messenger. I'm not just going to send someone who can speak on my behalf. But he's saying, I am going to come. Or it reminds me of another verse in the prophet Ezekiel where the Lord says through Ezekiel the prophet, 
I myself will shepherd them, right? So this is the promise that God is making to his people that, that he himself is going to come to them, right? And so for, for the people of the Old Testament, the people even of Jesus's times, the Jewish people, they, they would have had this in their mind, right? So when God makes a promise to them, they trust that he's gonna keep it, right? And so you can imagine the kind of hope that's built up within them, like God promises that he's going to come. And not only does he promise that he's going to come, but he, he reveals to the, them the signs that are going to accompany his presence, right? What does it say? It says, then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Right, so these are the signs that are going to accompany the Lord when he comes so that they can know that it truly is, in fact, him. Right, now, the, the part of the problem of this, uh, Isaiah, living about 700 years before Jesus comes, is that it's incredibly hard to hang on to that hope for 700 years. Right, we can think of this in our own lives. When, when someone makes a promise to us, or when we have certain expectations of someone, maybe, at least initially we get excited about the fulfillment of that which is to come, or that we get excited about the promise that was made, about seeing it fulfilled. But after maybe even something like, depending on the promise, a couple years, maybe 20 years, maybe 30, after a long time, right, our, our hearts they begin to sort of give up on that hope, like as though like, well, maybe, maybe it's not gonna happen the way that I wanted it to or the way that I was told that it would happen, right? It's, it's easy to, to lose sight of that hope. And you can imagine over the course of 700 years, how much more so for the people of God, right? Like Isaiah, the Lord makes this promise through Isaiah and then 700 years happens and it seems like God's not coming. Right, so for the people, they, they knew these passages, but you can, you can imagine how easy it is for them to sort of almost like give up. Right? And this is why, actually, we see in the Gospels that when Jesus comes, that he's not met with like universal excitement, but that it's only slowly over time momentum begins to build and seeing who he is. And in fact, so this is, this is the thing that I want to look at in our gospel passage, right? So we, we heard the passage. We know that Jesus heals this man, but it's not just any man, right? What does he heal? It says he heals the man who can't hear. That is the one who's deaf and the one who can't speak. His, he's mute, right? So what happens? Like Jesus comes, he lays his hands on him and... His ears are opened, and he begins to speak. Right, so imagine the people, like, they're, they're, they're seeing this, and it's like in their minds they go back to Isaiah where it says, then the ears of the deaf will be cleared, and the tongue of the mute will sing. Right, so in our, our passages today, the, the Lord is revealing to the people, not just that he, he can do these powerful things, but he's revealing that he is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, that he is God himself come to save his people. Right, this, is, this is what's being revealed for us in our scripture passages. This is ultimately what's revealed for us in the gospel itself, the gospel message, that Jesus isn't just some ordinary man, but that he is God. 
He's come to fulfill all of the promises that God made in the Old Testament. Like this is, this is meant to be something that's like explosive in our lives. Right, so this is, this is the sort of foundation, right? So Jesus in our, our scripture passage is revealing to himself or to us that he is divine, that he's not ordinary human, but that he, is, he has both human nature and a divine nature. That is to say that he is God. Right, so now we can, we can jump into the gospel passage and, and briefly imagine a couple of things. So for one, the first point I want to make is that Jesus reveals to us what each of us means to God. And we can do this by imagining being in the position of the man who is deaf and mute. Right? Try to imagine being in that position. This guy, at least theoretically or presumably, was born like this. He was born unable to hear anything and unable to speak. You might say he was born kind of helpless. And now suddenly, People bring him to this guy, and this guy takes him away, and he puts his fingers in his ears, which is weird. And even stranger, he spits and he touches his tongue. And yet when he does it, he can hear. And then he can speak without having to practice any words. It says he spoke plainly. Right? What happens to you? when you imagine being that guy. Right? Again, hopefully there's like explosions of joy, like, but also explosions of, of wonder. And it says astonishment, right? It says that they were exceedingly astonished, right? So being that guy, like, how could you not go back day after day after day and like reliving that moment where, where this man came and he opened my ears and he allowed me to speak. Like, are you Is this real? Like, how could you not see in this, in this man, as you're imagining yourself, see, like, that the underlying message is that God cares about me. God sees it. He saw my struggle throughout my whole life. And, and not only did he see it, but, like, he came to me and he healed me and he rescued me. This is the first point of our meditation, brothers and sisters, that each one of you is incredibly valuable to the Lord God. Not just, not like y'all, like, like all of us as one community, but each one of you sitting in the pews this morning is incredibly valuable to God. And he wants you each to know that he sees you that he sees the struggles in your lives. He sees the trials that you go through. He sees your struggles to hang on to your faith. He sees your struggles to hope in his promises. Whatever it is, he sees you and he wants you to know how incredibly valuable you are. He actually wants to heal you. The message of the gospel is that Jesus didn't come for those who have it all put together, but in fact, that he came to those who are looked down upon in society, those who seem like they have no value, those who seem like they're lost. He came for you, to heal you, to rescue you. For some of us, he came to heal us physically, in fact. 
For some of us, he came to heal us because we have mental, mental issues going on, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever, things that are out of our control. He came to heal those things. For all of us, he came to heal us spiritually. He came to heal you of those things that make you feel like you have to earn his love or to make you feel like you have to earn your salvation. He came to heal that and to reveal to you that by the mere fact of his coming and dying on the cross, he has already given to you all of those things. He's come to heal you of all of those things that are blocking your mind so that you're unable to truly understand the gospel message. He came to heal you, to, to heal you of all those things that are making you unable for whatever reason to truly surrender to his will and to live a virtuous life. He came to heal all of that, brothers and sisters, and he wants to heal that in your life individually. Just as he healed this individual man, can you hear this message? And the second part of the, the, the meditation is this, to imagine ourselves being in the crowd, right? The crowd who, theoretically, at least it's according to this, the crowd who didn't get healed physically by Jesus, right? And yet, they didn't get healed by him physically, and yet, at the same time, they too were exceedingly astonished. They too were super excited to see what was going on. Like, Jesus didn't heal me, but this is amazing. That God has come to save this man. And in saving this man, he's revealing that he wants to save this man as well. That God has come to save his people and to set them free from sin. The second part of the meditation is that, yes, you and I, each one of us individually is incredibly valuable to God. And at the same time, brothers and sisters, you and I are part of something that goes much bigger than you and I. We're part of something much bigger than just myself or yourself. So that when it comes to the time of us seeking healing from Jesus, so that if he doesn't heal me physically, right? Like if I break my arm and I say, Jesus, come and heal my arm, and he decides not to, that's okay. Because I know that he's come and he's already set me free spiritually. I know that if I want things to go a certain way and things don't go that way, I don't get my way, I can say, that's all right. Because I'm part of something bigger and I'm just, I'm so excited to be a part of this, this greater family of God, this greater family of God who has humiliated himself to come to set us free. What an incredible gift. How can I not be excited? Even if Jesus doesn't destroy my life or destroy the things that are blocking me from from living a a normal human life even if he doesn't heal those things even if i if i have to suffer through whatever disease or illness i can know that it's okay because i know that in his timing all things go according to his will and so i can just simply surrender to that and i can know and trust that for some reason, he's allowing me to suffer in this way or in that way, and that that suffering somehow even has value in his eyes. And so I can just give it over to him. 
Brothers and sisters, this is, this is an incredibly important thing for us to remember, that each one of us is so valuable to him. And at the same time, we are part of something incredibly big. And so that whether he comes to us to heal us of our physical or our mental infirmities, we can know that he has come to all of us and to each of us, and he has already healed. He has already drawn near to us so that he can heal our, our spiritual infirmities. Because this is the thing. He comes to us so closely when we're baptized. He comes to us so closely when we come forward to receive Holy Communion, like so closely to the point that he comes to live within us. And if you're not able to recognize that yet, that's okay. When you come forward for Holy Communion this morning, let that be your prayer. When you go back to your pew and you kneel down and you just say, Jesus, I just need to know that you're with me, that you see me, and that you're healing me inside, even if I can't feel it on the outside. This is what I want to do. I just want to finish with a prayer and ask Jesus to heal us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, let us hear your voice, even if for the first time. Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for coming to save us, to set us free from sin. We beg you, Jesus, to command our hearts to be opened, to speak that word, Ephetha, to us, so that our hearts may be opened to receiving healing. Jesus, we pray that if it is your will that you would bring about physical healing among your people here in this church. Heal physical pain, Jesus, according to your will and according to your resurrection power. Jesus, we pray that if it is your will that you would heal mental pain by your power, Jesus, heal anxiety and heal depression, heal despair, heal any mental infirmities that anyone, each of us might have here this morning. Speak your word of command so that we may know your power in our lives, so that we may be exceedingly astonished. And Jesus, above all, we pray that you would heal each one of us in a spiritual way. Jesus, we pray that you would cast far from us any evil spirits that are lingering around each of our lives, cast them far from us so that we may know your freedom, that we may know your power, that we may know your presence with us in coming to save us and set us free. Jesus, we pray that you would heal the minds of our spiritual lives so that we may come to understand your power, that we may come to understand your identity, that we may come to understand your glory and rejoice exceedingly in it. Jesus, give us the grace to surrender entirely to you and to your will so that we may sing your praises forever. Amen.